Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, I join three artists in the village of Lai Chi War in the northeastern New Territories who are holding a rural art exhibition to show the farming and hacker culture of this 300-year-old village near Sha Tao Kok. But first, I join the head of Radio 4, Jimmy Shu, for a chat in the studio. Radio 4, RTHK's English language classical music channel, was set up 45 years ago in 1974. Here, Jimmy Shu talks about the classical concert that was held to celebrate the opening of ZBW, the forerunner of RTHK. His personal love of classical music as a musician and singer himself and some of the programmes and activities that Radio 4 has held over the years. In a later programme, I'll also be talking to the former veteran broadcaster, Jonathan Douglas, who's now an actor in London. My name is Jimmy Hsu, and I've been working for RTHK Radio 4 since 1995. I first joined as a programme officer. Now, when you were a child growing up in, mm. in Hong Kong, can I ask you what, what district you grew up in? I was born in North Point, and then I studied in Central. Yeah. And did you ever go to the Sunbeam Theatre in North Point? Oh, it's a very, very nice, uh, very close to my, my heart, this place. Actually, I just lived, uh, I think, about three minutes away on foot to Sunbeam Theatre. So that was that actually you would go there as a child, as a boy with your family? Yes, or to... yes, to, to watch a movie. And actually, before Sunbeam was built, I was there. It was the place exactly where the, the riot was very busy going on during that time, during 1967. Yeah. Now, as a boy, did you listen to RTHK? And, uh, and if so, what kind of things did you enjoy listening to? When I was small, I listened to a lot of uh, radio programs, which I, I think I can't identify anymore. And I'm not sure whether those programs were from RTHK or from Red Diffusion. Because in those days, there was a, a machine in my place, and my grandmother would be listening to some Chiu Chao operas. And of course, there were news and various things, and radio dramas. And I think I would have been listening to RHK in those days. And I remember um, some BBC things and a lot of uh, Cantonese programs, of course. And uh, in those days, uh, there, there were a lot of announcements on the price of, say, food. So you get food, food prizes on the radio? Yes, yes, a, lo a lot of things. <laughs> In terms of classical music, I mean, classical music began with it. The first Radio Hong Kong or ZBW concert was classical music. Well, the official record of any classical music which we could get in the year 2014, when RTHK Radio 4 was celebrating our 40th anniversary, was a piece of information we got from uh, Media Digest. In that particularly issue of Media Digest, we got uh, some information about a concert which took place on October the 8th, 1929. And uh, it was Radio Hong Kong, which uh, was the first uh, concert officiated by the Colonial Secretary, Sir Wilfred Thomas Suffern. And I think the name Suffern uh, rings a bell, of course, there's a Suffern Stadium in Wan Chai. And it was a radio address at 9 p.m., followed by legislator, the honorary Dr. Cold War, of course, uh, Cold War wrote, yeah, his welcome in Chinese 
and that was a live concert broadcast on RHK. And the program had a lineup of different things, uh, different music. And in the record, we found Chopin's Etude in A flat, Rimsky Korsakov's uh, Indian song for violin, and Who Buy My Lavender for soprano, and The Beaming Eyes for baritone. So these are uh, traces of uh, early days uh, music broadcast on Hong Kong's airwaves. Now, were you a musician yourself? Yes, I studied music. I was a, a graduate from Hong Kong Baptist University in those days. Yeah. And then I went to uh, some other places, Australia and uh, England, to do music. And what do you play? I played the violin, yeah, and um, a bit on the piano. And my first instrument was uh, singing. Oh, and uh, what what sort of what sort of singing? Well, of course, classical singing, so uh, art songs, uh, some oratorials, and occasionally some opera excerpts and uh, Chinese songs, things like that. We have you as you know a music student going through. What what got you into radio? Was that a sort of a, a love from childhood? Was it a good uh, civil service job? <laughs> well, very much so. It's a very nice job that I can. Um, pursue my interest in music and at the same time share good music with uh, a lot of people out there. And I listened to radio more specifically. I first listened to classical music on RTHK and it was Radio 4 and also on Chinese Channel. I think it was Radio 1, yeah. And in those days, say for Radio 4, the music was basically very much the classical side uh, there was an hour of jazz music. And other than that, Radio 4 had some religious programs. We, we still have some religious programs. 
and something which which we don't do anymore, and it's like radio drama. I still remember a program called Book Club, which is uh, an an hour or something with someone just reading and reading, and the uh, programs were produced by BBC. So you've got book club that would that would have been a BBC one. The radio dramas were they coming in from the BBC or did you actually have some people in Hong Kong producing them? I think most of the programs of such programs uh, were from the BBC. And after I joined uh, RTHK, Joint Radio Four, I saw that there were some programs uh, produced by RTHK. For a period of time, we had a program called Songbirds, and also some other programs like Hear It Right, Say It Right. And of course, by the name, you would know that uh, is, these programs are tailored made for students, yeah, so that they can improve their English. And uh, songbirds and some other radio dramas produced by us went on for a while, yeah. And then th- there came a time when, when we concentrated more back on uh, music. And when you start off as a young program officer at Radio Four RTHK, can you tell me about some of your older colleagues at that point? Well, I was blessed to be able to to work alongside with uh, Roger Draper, who is now in England, I, I think. Yeah, and uh, every morning during his morning show, and I think in those days it was called Good Morning on Four or something like that. Yeah, and I had the honor to be co-hosting the programs uh, with him. I did the Cantonese part, and he he did the English parts, and uh, of course Clive Simpson who was the, the first person to be head of Radio 4. And uh, he did a lot of work, uh, laying down a very uh, solid foundation for uh, classical music broadcast in Hong Kong. And Clive was a very organized person. Actually, before I joined RTHK, I was a, a manager at uh, Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra. And I got in touch with him on different occasions to uh, give us some program notes, to write some program notes for us. And he was so organized and meticulous and very, very nice program notes, very professional and um, uh, easy to understand uh, with substance. So that was, that was the, the, uh, my first encounter with him. And after I joined here, we worked together. Uh, I still remember being a presenter side by side with him doing OBs, outside broadcasts, going to concert halls and to talk to to be a presenter for concerts. And it was fun. And he was so professional. Oh, that's a good memory. So, and also for you as a a young person just entering into it, what do you think is the immediate attraction of radio, particularly in, you know, with with the classical music? Are you looking to educate listeners, provide them just with a, a lovely listening experience? I think for Radio 4, it's just the same as some other channels. We are here to inform, to educate, or what, try not to use this word, to inspire, <laughs> and uh, to provide timely information, news for our listeners. And classical music is something which can be enjoyed by everyone. So we just make it accessible to everyone. Although some some people might find uh, classical music a, a little bit difficult to understand than, say, popular music. But I don't really think so, because uh, for some pieces of music like Blue Danube or, or Nutcracker, it can be equally enjoyable. 
yeah, uh, for different walks of life, uh, people. And of course, uh, with a bit of enhancement of a bit of background information, the listening experience can be deeper, can have more fun. So I think we are there to enhance this experience. Radio 4 is created in 1974 and, and we're actually sitting talking at the uh, broadcasting house in Kowloon Tong and that was very new at that point so I mean the building would have only been five years old having been uh, built and opened in 1969 but um, prior to Radio 4 being created the classical music would have all been part of Radio Hong Kong. Yes, just like what I uh, mentioned before about uh, that first concert uh, in 1929. There are many, many uh, musicians. There is always a bunch of people who, who like to play music, to, who enjoy music. And Hong Kong is an important hub for classical music making. Actually, way before uh, 1974, a lot of uh, touring uh, musicians, when they uh, drop by Hong Kong, they would come to RTHK or they would, RHK to be uh, specific. For example, I would like to tell you uh, um, about Benjamin Britten. Benjamin Britten came to Hong Kong in the 50s. I think it was in 1956. He was visiting this part of the world, uh, Japan and, and some other places. Uh, and uh, while he was in Hong Kong, he went into our studio and re recorded a recital of about 10 songs and he was the pianist and uh, the singer was uh, Peter Pierce and we were fortunate uh, to be able to uh, dig out this recording a few years ago and you can listen to it listen to Benjamin Britten the, uh, arguably one of the greatest British composers in the 20th century doing music in Hong Kong is <laughs> amazing we are starting our recital with two songs by Joseph Haydn. They are two of the English canzonets which Haydn wrote after one of his visits to London. He in fact wrote two sets of six and the words uh, are by a friend of his, uh, Anne Hunter. The first is called The Sailor's Song. And actually, around that time, there was a, a an orchestra. I think it's the Los Angeles Orchestra Philharmonic. They were in Hong Kong, and it was broadcast on RHK. Unfortunately, we couldn't find the the recording anymore. The concert venue, believe it or not, it was not a concert hall. It was a football playground in Hong Kong. Some people put down in record during the concert during the recording they could hear lorries uh, driving <laughs> by. <laughs> yeah, and it was in those uh, hard times that uh, uh, RHK was operating, uh, trying to bring music to everyone. Although they were, they were not physically there uh, in, in Hong Kong, they could hear it on air. What would you say are some of your highlights? Well, I've been here for long enough, but uh, most of the uh, my, 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 my duties uh, 
would be to organize projects and to produce programs, present programs. But in terms of project production, I I was uh, the manager, administrator of the Hong Kong Competition for Young Asian Musicians. And we uh, we were one of the organizers alongside uh, LCSD and Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. And it was a, a large-scale project uh, televised and uh, broadcast live on the radio. The orchestra involved was uh, Hong Kong Phil. And we invited uh, 20 uh, shortlisted candidates from different parts of Asia to come to Hong Kong to give their semi-final recitals. And four went into the, the final, and we had a, a concert at Cultural Center. And uh, I was behind this, uh, putting things together and uh, bringing, say, uh, different uh, judges to Hong Kong and uh, PR things and logistics, everything. It was quite an experience, uh, working really, really hard. And uh, it was, uh, well, crazy in those days. But it turned out to be a, a nice project, yeah. And uh, the other thing which I could remember was uh, to organize a, a polling called um, Millennium Classics. I think it was uh, in 2000, the year 2000. Hong Kong's uh, listeners, just collective effort, uh, we, 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 we polled for our favorite 10 pieces. And it turned out that uh, the most popular one was, guess what? Oh, <laughs> in Hong Kong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or oh, something like Nutcracker. Close enough. <laughs> uh, Swan Lake. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Swan Lake was, was one of them. Uh, it was um, Vivaldi's forces. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we we played uh, one of the concertos from the Four Seasons uh, in the final concert. Uh, it was fun, yeah. And uh, Beethoven's um, Symphony Number no. Nine and Number no. Five were also in it. So it was very interesting uh, to make classical music accessible, interactive. You can play your part to be one of the people who cast your votes. It turned out to be a, a very very successful program. Yeah. My thanks to Jimmy Shu, the head of Radio 4, talking there on Radio 4's 45th anniversary. A couple of weeks ago, I took a ferry from Tolo Harbour up the Tolo Channel in some of Hong Kong's most scenic countryside to the northeastern New Territories village of Lai Chi War. There's an art exhibition on show involving around eight artists that celebrates the village's culture, but also the hardship faced by the villagers, many of whom left to go to the UK and Germany to work in restaurants there. The exhibition, Murmur of the Brick, Rurally Engaged Art, is on until December the 30th. The first artist I talk to here is Woody Leung, who uses mud and straw to create the adobe bricks used in Hakka architecture. So far, I have a friend. He visited the Heritage Museum of Hong Kong. He took a picture about the shape of what a brick mold is. And then I tried to measure the bricks in here and make the adobe bricks of Lai Wall standard. Lai Wall standard, that's fantastic. So you're actually using the materials from here. So you use old materials and then recreate the bricks? Yes. 
these bricks are when they rebuild the house or they clear the house land for building the old you can see there are some rocks there and then beside the rocks there and the other building is covering uh, they clear the the ditches and the the mud they throw apart and I collect it in a bucket and then normally they they dig a well in a farm farm field and then step on the wet mud with a kettle but the, now the kettle became semi wild we can't control them and they we 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 so you used to get so the kettle would sort of break the break it down yes break it down to a smaller part uh, and find the material there's more where the sticky come from so but the but you're saying that the the uh buffalo are no longer or the yeah. cattle are no longer uh, yeah, complying yeah. they're no <laughs> They're not domesticated enough. Yes, uh, uh, yes. Sometimes we have a flock of children to come here. I put a trap on on the ground and then pour the mud out and for them to, to step in, try, try to mix like what cattle does. Oh, so you get the children to do it for you? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, you can see some bricks and in 101, they are made by the children. So House 101 is, is one of the other display yes, areas. Yes, the house, yes. uh, yeah. We, we, yes. We, so wha what's involved? I mean, I'm looking at some finished, so uh, I've got here, we've got uh, a, a sort of reused one of these uh, big um, blue plastic barrels and inside is a mix of mud and old bricks. A little bit bricks. Uh, one, one advantage is when they are combo and uh, when they're broken, we can broken down and then recycle it. What we need to add in the little mud uh, mixture is a uh, hay or straw. So the actual adobe brick is a mix of mud and hay. Yes, that's it's that simple. Yes, that's, so that's it's, it's everything that I can see around me. I can just make into bricks. Yes, so, but uh, we try to use the mud uh, underneath the the farming bare soil. A lot, not the soil on the top. We we yeah. cultivate. So uh, you don't it, take the top soil away. Yes, yes. yes. Don't don't lose that much there. Uh, too fragile. We step on the. The frame to squeeze on each corner to make it firm, and then uh, simultaneously lift the the mold to let the bread to sit on to sit on the floor. Uh, we we turn around that about three for four days for for better drying. Woody Lang there, who's in his second year of residency at the village. The exhibition, Murmur of the Brick, a rurally engaged art installation project, makes use of mud, hay, earth and adobe brick to transform an old village house into an interactive art installation to tell the almost forgotten stories and songs of Lai War Village. Evelyn Yen-Liang-Kan is a community artist and the organiser behind the exhibition. She's half hacker, so has enjoyed researching her own identity over the past 18 months. The exhibition includes the recorded voices of the villagers, stories and singing, as well as traditional bands worn by the women on their hats. Here, Evelynia describes the work of another artist, Wong Wing Fung, before we hear from Monty Lai, who's an artist who has worked a couple of paddy fields here for the past five years. So Wong Wing Fong is the artist. She interviewed villagers from this village, the elderly, and uh, record their story. And this is all these are like installation from the story, the Mandarin tree, uh, the ladies that uh, do not have uh, shoes to wear, but she have to mind the, the, the paddy field, 
the grass, the orchid, and also memory of a young man like going out fishing as well as farming. And then we'll have Monty here. Monty's uh, work is basically, she had been working in the paddy field for the past five years in Laichiwa, and her poem, her lyrics, her feeling, whatever is in her installation. But her installation actually is outside in the paddy field, and this is just part of it. Uh, to tell her story. And at the end of this, you see the children's artwork that we work with the children from the primary school in Chateaugat. And they, we tell them about the story of the earth being ignored, being like uh, deserted for years. And we try to bring back like what is the field should be to cultivate the land instead of building up high rise. And uh, some old ladies, you know, will be uh, doing the uh, pattern band weaving with the children. So maybe I'll give this part to Marty first to introduce her work first. This work included three components. This is the rice I grew uh, from my paddy last season. And I kept it for like as an art piece because many people ask me why I'm here in the village as an artist and like even my teammates will ask oh, so you say you're an artist but I don't see you making art real art what they consider real art or so I keep telling them it's not like I'm making a drawing that's art so I'm actually living here and practice my art here and my practice is part of the farming work that I learned from the older villagers here, from the older farmers, from even from internet, <laughs> from our friends in the other side of the world. So I try to document it part by part. And then like this is like a, a result of my uh, journey. And this hat has been with me for five years. <laughs> so it's like broken down, it's like falling apart now after five years of time. And I think it's a very good demonstration to share with friends and visitors here, like what is my journey like in the past five years. And also in this uh, installation, I uh, wrote a letter to the birds. I put up a bench in my farm and then I start writing the letter to them because I think the birds are the ones that uh, accompany us, accompany me all the way through. Every day, every time I'm in the field, they will come by and then they will also enjoy and share our produce <laughs> directly. Yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so uh, this letter is like enclosed in an envelope because I'm going to read it out after the exhibition finished and I will read it out to the birds and tell them how I feel. And I also uh, have another installation outside uh, um, around the farms uh, here in the village. I put up some farmers' heads, like the ones you see here, and some are traditional Hakka uh, women would wear. Uh, we call it Leung Mo. Um, so I, I want to pay tribute to all the farmers now and in the past that uh, they have contributed of their uh, effort 
to make this farm so nice, even though some of them has gone to other countries or like go doing other jobs right now, but their effort uh, still there. So I want to appreciate it by putting up a farmer's hat. My thanks to Woody Leung, Monty Lai and Evelinia Liang Can. If you'd like to visit the exhibition at Lai Chi Wo, you can take the ferry from Tolo Harbour, which leaves on Sundays and public holidays at 9am. Lai Chi Wo is well worth a visit. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.